0: Fortune's Wheel, a podcast history of the late Middle Ages. I'm your host, Jonathan. This is episode 35. We're going to try something new here today, folks. So let's just call this a look ahead. Today we get candid on the podcast. By the end of this short episode, I hope to accomplish a few things here. I want to explain, one, why I took the short six-week hiatus and whether or not I was able to meet the goals I had set for myself during that time. Number two, I want to explain why that six-week hiatus turned into one of almost three months. And Number three, I hope to do a brief review of the major events and people we've covered so far in the podcast so as to keep everything within the same context. I find that very, very important and beneficial to me as a learner. And finally, number four, I hope to wrap this up with not only an introduction of the newest season of the podcast, but also of the other topics I look forward to covering in the near future. So let's get started. First, to begin, I would like to explain that six-week hiatus. I initially plan to take a month and a half off to stop regroup and see if I could stay ahead on things in my life. As you know, life tends to throw things at us left and right, and sometimes we need a moment to, well, just stop. I needed that back in February, and I made the tough decision to put the podcast on hold. I hated to do it because I love everything about this podcast, and I truly believe in the work I'm doing here. However, to be truthful with myself, the podcast was the one thing I could afford take a short break from. So I set goals to keep myself on track so I was able to return to this project as soon as possible. First and most importantly was my family. I was and am unwilling to even gamble falling behind in that area of my life. Second was my job, a career I worked very hard to attain and a career I work very hard to keep. Because I also believe very much in the positive work I do with young people in my community every day. So far so good. I was able to keep everything strong in my first two goals. My third area was to pass a comprehensive and pretty difficult content area assessment through the state of Indiana. Currently I am able to teach elementary students as well as English language arts from grades 5 through 12. This exam should I have passed would allow me to teach U.S. and world history from grades 5 through 12 as well. It wasn't easy, but I put in the time and effort and I passed this exam, thus expanding my teaching license, and I'm very, very proud of this accomplishment. And finally, my fourth goal was to grant me the time and freedom to research properly what was needed for the next season on the podcast, if not write and record the episodes too. So as for that first six weeks that the podcast was calling a quick timeout, I'm proud to say that it was all in all a success, even despite being hit on the highway and totaling my car one day. Yeah, that happened too. (laughs) But beyond that, with my plans to return to the podcast, I was forced into another tough decision, which leads me to apologize to you. I would like to apologize for that six weeks turning into almost three months. As this six-week deadline was approaching, I was also battling a somewhat minor medical issue that eventually forced my hand. Since late November of 2020, I had been dealing with a herniated disc in my lower back. This is nothing new to me and my family, as this was the same disc I had sur- I had, had surgery on six years prior, and as luck would have it, after months of dealing with it, One simple movement one Monday morning caused some of the worst pain I'd ever experienced. This already, after months of sciatica. It floored me. Literally. (laughs) Within a week, I was back in the operating room in the care of the same amazing surgeon who fixed me up last time. Which brings us to this recording just a few weeks post-op. I am happy to report, though it's still pretty slow going, I'm feeling immensely better. This extra break in the podcast afforded me extra time to read and study up on more topics, allowing me to think even further ahead toward future seasons, which I would like to share with you right now. That is, if you're interested in some tiny spoilers. Well, as you know, we wrapped up our last bend in the narrative, as I call them, on the last episode. When we detailed the monumental clash between the Normans in Italy and well, pretty much everyone else with even a passing interest in the peninsula. This happened in the year 1053, and before we go on and introduce future bends in the narrative, or seasons of the podcast if you prefer, let's take a quick look at where our story of the, l- the late Middle Ages has been so far. As a learner I always find it especially beneficial to constantly think back on the things I've learned already because I never know when something I've learned will intersect with something new that I've learned. This is what excites me most about learning history specifically. You never know when some random fact, event, relationship, or side plot influences, either directly or indirectly, something that is seemingly unrelated. That's exciting to me. And as an educator, I make sure my students know this as well in the hopes that they also take the time to review and rethink and reflect on what they've learned already. We began our story, essentially, with the official renewal of hostilities between the Vikings and the English. They are just a mile east of the village of Malden in Essex in the year 991. I say a renewal of hostilities because just a 50 years or so prior to this battle, one Eric Bloodaxe was driven from the island, and that message was received loudly and clearly across the North Sea. So it's natural that a generation later, such hostilities would erupt once again. We've laid out the inadequacies and in leadership of one King Ethelred II, also known as Ethelred Unred later on, or translated to Ethelred the Unready, We were also introduced to a chieftain who fought at Malden, Olaf Tryggvason, who would later become not only a legend to the Norse, but also their king. And here is one of those intersections that I was talking about. When I was researching about the Norse reaching North America many, many, many episodes ago, I learned about one such intersection in which Leif Eriksson visited Norway and became a friend and fellow chess player, to Olaf Tryggvason, King Olaf at that point. History doesn't play out in a vacuum, folks. So many of these people were contemporaries, if not face-to-face friends or enemies. These relationships influenced one another's stories, and if we continue to compartmentalize our historical narratives, we will never see how truly interconnected we all are. From Malden in 991, we took the time to flesh out not only what was happening on the beautiful island of Ireland with the story of Ireland's first high king Brian Baru, but we also took our time unraveling the story of how Ethelred's ancient house of Wessex, as well as his kingdom at large, was eventually forced to submit to a clever young Anglophile Dane named Canute Swainson, or as history came to know him, Canute the Great. These stories, I believe, were directly glued together by an unlikely source. This source's name was Emma. Emma, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting chess pieces at play during the Danish Danish conquest of England, as she was the highest position in the land for a woman, and was also merely one of less than a handful of powerful quote-unquote leftovers from Anglo-Saxon power structure in England. She deftly straddled both the old and the new power structures, and in my opinion, was the chief reason why King Canute was able to make such a transition. Now, it was no small feat to do what Canute was able to do, but without Emma's expertise, as well as her experience over her English subjects and influence as well, his job would have been immensely harder. From King Canute's England, we sailed across the channel and took a prolonged look at someone who will interact quite a bit in the coming bends in the narrative. This young man survived when, well, he shouldn't have. Young Duke William I of Normandy great-nephew of Queen Emma of England, by the way, would have, an, would have enormous impacts in the coming decades. But we first needed to see how he came to power, his interactions with his own Norman nobility, his relationships with such people as his archbishops, his king, and the pope, not to mention the unbelievable amount of stress and violence this young man endured, all because his mother was not Of noble birth. Roger of Tosny, remember him? This Norman led his own adventures, some might stretch it to be called a tiny crusade, in Iberia and became known as the Moor Eater. He married high and except for quick forays back into Iberia to keep his sword sharpened, he became an opponent to Duke William. Have you ever heard of the sins of the father? Let's keep an eye on the Tosnys as we learn more about William's later successes, his later years. From Rainulf Drango to William Ironarm and his brother Drogo de Hauteville, we learned about hundreds and thousands of Normans who were the victims of a custom called primogeniture. And primogeniture, again, simply means that the eldest son would inherit the family's wealth upon the death of the father. Well... When Norman families would have multiple sons, which they did, what would the other sons do? Southern Italy was a playground in the early 11th century, and so, along with Roger of Tosny's own father, Raoul, many Normans went south and they upended the already chaotic and near anarchic Italian, Lombard, and Byzantine lands south of Rome. This, of course, is where we ended our last. Episode, but believe me, we are hardly finished with that area or those people. Hardly. And who can forget the story of Harald Sigurdsson, the 15 year old war veteran who saw his own brother and the Norse king, who was the Norse king, die on the battlefield? The young, wounded man run out of his own homeland only to find himself among the Rus a thousand miles away from home. He would become a great warrior there and he would leave the Rus and become a legendary soldier in the elite Varangian Guard in Constantinople. Here's another inter- intersection in history. Herald would fight both with and against other notables of the time, such as those Norman Drangos and de Hautevilles, as well as the towering Byzantine general, the legend George Maniakis. This exiled Norseman would visit places as far as as Edessa, Jerusalem, Constantinople, Kiev, the Black Sea, Greece, southern Italy, Sicily, and he wasn't finished when he finally left Constantinople, if you can believe that. No, he will be intersecting with others we've learned about as well as some we haven't learned about yet. So where do we go from here? On the next episode of Fortune's Wheel, I am so excited to finally get into one of the most interesting reigns I've ever read about. This man's reign will mark cataclysmic change for not only his this kingdom, not only this region, but the following 1,000 years and counting. Ironically, as I understand it, many historians agree that it's merely the calm before the storm, and to an extent I completely agree with them when this reign is looked at through the lens of what comes immediately after it. But this particular man's reign is also one of the most dynamic times I've ever learned about in history. I mean, it has everything. Political intrigue, family dysfunction, rivalries, transitions, retributions, and revenges, civil wars, sort of. (laughs) I'm so excited to get into this with you. On the next episode, we begin Bend 3, entitled North Sea Collapse and we pick up our story in an odd place, a place we've been before, but from an angle we haven't seen yet. There is an unforgettable cast of characters throughout this next narrative, and I challenge anyone to find a more interesting storyline in the 11th century. And believe me, the 11th century I'm learning was an incredible century for amazing stories. This next narrative, however, won't just be England's story, though. Tucked within this next series will also have us visiting places and events who are just begging to extend their own stories, such as Robert Guiscard and his little brother Roger, Pope Leo IX and his unwavering support of wafers (laughs) and obscure Latin phrases, as well as the brutal wars for the soul of Denmark, the infamous King of Scotland holding on to his tenuous rule, and the Irish Vikings and Welsh. Sneaking in and taking advantage of everyone's attentions, not being on them. Man, this season, this narrative is, it's something else. That's the best I can tell you at this point. Oh, and that young Duke across the channel will probably steal the spotlight a time or two because, well, that's just what Duke William did. Throw in another North Sea player from Norway, some from Brittany, Flanders, and Boulogne, and we've got ourselves a nice stew of plots to simmer and bring to a boil. Looking beyond the next season, I'm already chest-deep into research, into events such as the Byzantine collapse after Manzikert, the Spanish national hero El Cid, the Fatimid Caliphate, Roger de Hauteville, that one time Robert Giscard brought Constantinople to its knees, <laughs> yeah, the rise of the Connenos dynasty in that same city. And then back in England, I'm trying to figure out, in 1066, who's the king anyway? And what was the reality of life after King Edward, you know? The one you probably don't learn about in school, that is. Oh, and and there's that little thing to wrap up the 11th century called the First Crusade, too. If you think we're taking a shortcut to the 12th century, think again. And believe me, I can't wait till we get to those subjects, but... The 11th century is just not done with us yet. Again, I apologize for the long delay, but I do hope that it's worth the wait. To be honest, I feel a little like I'm just speaking into a microphone here and uploading it into a void, having next to no feedback from you, my amazing listeners. I know you're out there, but I'm all ears please reach out to me on Twitter and Facebook and let me know what you think. Also, there's no way I'm hitting all the stories of the late middle ages. So please feel free to point me in the direction of new sources or new stories to research and record about, and I'll do what I can to fit them into the narrative flow. Or if anything, they may end up as bonus episodes on our Patreon account. As always, thank you for your time and your support. Listen, we are who we are because they were who they were. It's been said how one spends their time says a lot about a person. And I thank you for being the lifelong learners that you are. Until next time.